We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Striking Gold, your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. My name is Rob Lauder. I cover the 49ers for all of you fine folks on the other end of the speaker. And we are just going to rattle off through some training camp updates. The 49ers just wrapping up their, oh, their practices with the Minnesota Vikings in preparation for the two teams' Saturday preseason meeting. And we're just going to fly through this. So many little tiny points from the week. Nothing too crazy. You know, nothing mind-blowing. Nothing new. I would even quantify as news per se. But the last time we were on here was after the 49ers preseason game against the Packers. So it has been a minute. You know, there's a bunch of little things to hit on. And we're just going to fly through it. There's going to be absolutely no cohesion to this episode whatsoever. We're just going to roll through it. Most of the focus will be on the open practices and what I saw from all the uh, the social medias. Um, but and, and there's some other housekeeping stuff, what I like to call it, little news that I feel like you guys need to know. But we're just going to roll. We're going to roll through this, and I don't even know how long it's going to take. I w- we'll just see where it goes. You know, we'll like, like just take my hand and let's do this. You know, let's see where we end up. Anyways, one of the main things I have to make sure that I don't forget to mention is the 49ers did surpass their first roster trim down date last week. They had to trim their players uh, or earlier this week, excuse me. They had to, uh, I'm recording this on Thursday, August 18th, had to trim their roster down to 85 players. And the surprise cut of that group was veteran corner Darquez Denard. Now Denard had been playing exclusively with the first team at the nickel position. Meaning, if you don't know what nickel is, you have your two outside corners, and then you have your interior corner that that usually comes in during sub-packages to cover a third receiver. He was a surprise because, I mean, he I, I, I was at training camp. He took almost exclusively all the reps with the first-team defense at nickel and then was among the team's first roster cuts. Now, that doesn't mean that Denard was the most expendable corner or nickel corner. He is a veteran teams will a lot of times 
try to release veteran players that they feel have a good shot on another team's roster the earliest so that they have a chance to uh, to work their way into another team. So it doesn't – I never at any point noticed Denar playing bad, getting picked on. Uh, I believe that his, I guess you could say, expendability just comes from the other 49ers corners playing up to his level. Obviously, the first name that's going to come to your mind is Samuel Womack, who had two and played well and had two interceptions uh, against the Packers. Both of them impressive. One of them kind of following a, a drag route over the middle that he just stepped in front of perfectly. And then another where he uh, essentially wrestled the ball away from receiver as they were both going down. Um, so, it, it, you know, it looks like Samuel Womack is in line to be the starting nickel corner. Um, I have been hearing a little bit about uh, Quantrez Knight. I believe I said that that name right. Let me make sure. I mean, I don't have the pronunciation guide. Did you guys see that, by the way, when the 49ers announced the uh, uh, the the their first official depth chart? I always mention the pronunciation guide because it, it doesn't get old. But yeah, Quantrez Knight out of UCLA, another rookie corner that's been making some noise. We'll hit on him a little bit later. Um, so maybe the 49ers like what they have there in terms of young talent. And there is definitely a school of thought that says, look, if I have young talent that may even be just a step below veteran talent, I would there there's probably plenty of coaches that would prefer the better the the younger talent, excuse me, stomping on my own story here. So that one, the team saves a little bit of money, and two, which is not probably the one probably wasn't the one I should have mentioned first. But two, they get to develop a player and a player that may be below the veteran now, but that they see developing into a better player. So it, it doesn't necessarily completely surprise me that they would go this way. That's what I'm assuming is their reasoning for parting ways with Denard. But we'll see. We'll see how that develops. In addition to Denard, the, the 49ers also cut Fresno State alumni fullback Josh Hokett and Fresno State alumni wide receiver Keyshawn Johnson. So shout out to my Bulldogs. It's a rough day out there. I understand it. Uh, I believe Keyshawn Johnson is our, and Josh Hokett has already landed with another team. Josh Hokett landed with the Cardinals. It actually said that they were signing him to play tight end because they've had some injuries there. We all know they just wanted to know a little bit more about the 49ers. Keyshawn Johnson. I'm actually, you know, I'm going to do Keyshawn a solid because Keyshawn's a good dude. I am going to see where he signed because I'm, I'm positive that he already signed with Atlanta Falcons. Good for him. Good for him. Well, you know, I, I guess I said that right off the cuff thinking Matt Ryan was their quarterback, but now it's what's his name, right? Former Oregon guy. <laughs> I don't remember too many names. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Y'all are on the other end of the speakers. Like, come on louder. Anyways, they also released uh defensive lineman, Tomase Laulule and Robert Kimdichie. Robert Kandichi was an interesting addition. Obviously, a former first-round pick. Made some some splash plays in the preseason and during training camp. But, I mean, if there's one position group that you're not just going to step in and and make the team, it's the 49ers defensive line. So, he uh, Kimdichi always had a long shot there. And seeing his name uh, pop up uh, since the Packers preseason game isn't exactly a surprise. Uh, just to, while I'm on it, I had this down at the end of my notes, but I'm going to say it now while we're talking about roster, um, chipping it away. August 23rd is the next day a, where they're going to have to go from 85 to 80 players. So that is next Tuesday. And then after 
August 23rd. The next date is August 30th. That's the big one. That's where they have to go from 80 to 53. And me being the intelligent person that I am, I decided that I was going to wait to unveil my 53 roster prediction after the 23rd, but before the 30th. That way the odds of me getting it right are just even better because some of the players have already been cut. So that's what I'm doing. All right. And that way, when I have a super high percentage of guessing the right players, then I can brag about it on here and on Twitter and not go back and mention what I'm telling you now in saying that I waited until there was only 80 to choose from rather than 90. So your boys out here just just changing the game. The hustle never stops. I, you, you see this. You see this. Anyways, let's keep rolling. Takeaways from the 49ers joint practices against the Vikings. First and foremost, clearly the most important, go find the video of Javon Kinlaw that Steph took. I believe it's Steph Sanchez, if I'm not mistaken. Me and Steph, even though I don't know if I've ever spoken to her, as weird as that is, let me go find it. There it is. Yeah, Steph Sanchez. She actually started the 49ers Hub account that gave me my first chance on a podcast. There was basically the 49ers Hub was ran by all of these friends, all with, you know, 49ers, all 49ers fans, all running this account together. And we all decided to make a podcast together called 49 Problems. I don't, I don't even know if we did five episodes. I can't remember how long it went on. But so Steph and like my connection to the 49ers land um, goes way back. I remember hearing her name all the way back when uh, we were doing the 49er problems, 49 problems stuff. But on my Twitter page, or you could just find her at Stragosaurus, there is a video of Javon Kinlaw walking off the Vikings practice, practice field looking absolutely massive. Just inhumanly huge. I did not think there was another 49ers player on the roster capable of challenging Nick Bosa for the freakiest looking athlete, but he undoubtedly challenges him and may clearly surpass him. I mean, that's opinion, but Javon Kinlaw looks like an absolute freak. I do not even understand how this man eats enough food, period. How is he not just constantly eating to sustain what he looks like. You're talking about a dude that's like 6'5", 6'6". You might even be bigger than that. Let me see what they got his official weight weight at. I'm on their, the team site right now. So let's prepare for some John Kinlaw. Where are you at, Doc? Where are you at? Where are you at? Where are you at? Where are you at? Where you at? There he is. 6'5", 320 pounds. And I'm here to tell you that that is 320 pounds of muscle. You have got to see this video. I would not be talking about it like I am. With, I mean, he's the dude's triceps are bigger than my entire arm, bicep, and tricep combined. And I'm not necessarily a small dude. I still got a lot of, of arm left from my weightlifting days. So, I mean, this dude, it, it, unbelievable. I want to know what his meal routine is like. I can't believe it. Anyways, that was the most important training camp update okay that was it jacked in every sense javon kinlaw i want to see him and nick bosa run into each other at full speed that's it the universe would collapse in on those two uh those two stars anyways kind of one thing that i i feel like i i have to lead off with when it comes to reacting to the vikings and 49ers practices is injuries kind of cloud the result 
I don't know where the injuries stand on the Viking side of things, but I do know that the 49ers just had a ton of players that none of them out with serious injuries, but a ton of players out that would have dramatically affected how the defense looked against the Vikings. And we did hear a little bit about that. There's just tons of players injured. It's hamstring city population 49ers. You've got at the top of the list, you've got free safety Jimmy Ward, who's got a pretty uh, a pretty bad hamstring that has him out for around a month. Um, his week one game uh, is definitely in question, and we'll see how that goes from there. Hopefully the 49ers get lucky and he's on the shorter side of that recovery. Guard slash center Daniel Brunskill, um, also kind of dealing with a hamstring strain. I'm not sure his is as severe as Jimmy Ward's, but that kind of instantly makes Jake Brandle, the guy he was competing with for the center job, the favorite. I think he already was. I think he was just a little – he had a, had a little tighter grasp on that job than Brunskill did, but Brunskill's injury definitely gives the nod to Brendel for now. At the very least, you know, they're – I mean, they were always going to keep both, but now you know for sure that, that Brendel's sticking around. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Then you've got both of the 49ers starting corners, both also suffering from hamstring issues. Neither of them are considered serious. Both of them are supposed to be ready before week one. I don't know if either of them are going to practice anymore during the preseason. Um, they, they probably certainly won't play. Maybe they'll be ready for the next preseason game, uh, but we'll see. It, it's really just the one against the Texans um, on August 25th. 
But we'll see. There's just no reason with the 49ers and how good their squad is, especially their defense, and how good those corners have looked this offseason. There's really no purpose for the 49ers to rush those guys onto the field. But again, just hamstrings for days. You added Elijah Mitchell to the group, also dealing with a hamstring. He'll be out for a couple weeks, not a huge deal. And keep in mind, I'm saying this, and it's already been a few days. These were kind of, kind of like Kyle Shanahan's post-Packers, pre-Vikings practices update. So it's been a few days on these. Uh, Trey Sermon today uh, was seen limping off the Vikings practice field, kind of walking a little gingerly, which look like, the 49ers have some solid depth at running back, but you're already seeing it start to <laughs> dwindle. Trey, Trey Sermon walked off the field gingerly today. We'll hear more on that, I'm sure, tomorrow. Elijah Mitchell currently suffering from a, a hamstring strain, not serious. So that leaves you Jeff Wilson Jr., who's coming off a major knee injury. Uh, he's had plenty of time, but that's still where he is. And then you've got Jamichael Hasty and Tyrion Davis-Price. So, and then you've got Jordan Mason, who I don't think, I think he's a practice squad favorite out of Georgia Tech. He has looked really impressive throughout the offseason. But you're really looking at, let's say, guys with game experience, Jeff Wilson Jr. and Jamichael Hasty. Tyrion Davis-Price is a rookie, although encouraging. I feel like he could step in and be pretty good. But as you can see, no matter how much depth the 49ers get at running back, it just never seems to be enough, ever. They could have eight running backs. They could stack that room like a defensive line, and they would still find a way to run out of running backs. It's just quite the phenomenon that I'm not, I'm not really prepared to accept. I don't know. Good injury news. Defensive lineman Eric Armstead is working his way back. Uh, he probably could have practiced against the Vikings if he wanted to. I believe he took part in kind of like individual drills. But, again, another player, veteran player, Huge linchpin of this defense that they really have no reason to put in a position where he could risk injury again. Now, it is football. Obviously, we know at some point you're going to have to step on the field. But if they're in that position, they're going to want it to be week one and not the preseason that, frankly, Eric Armstead may, might not need you know, to that extent. So a little bit of good injury news after all the hamstring, 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 hamstring. Um, one, another thing that popped up today that I thought was entertaining, like we said, no transitions, rolling through this. Uh, Brandon Ayuk was was not <laughs> – he was blunt about how much he enjoyed the Vikings, uh, the joint practices with the Vikings. He just didn't seem all the way thrilled with it. Even I could hear uh, Cam Inman in the background saying, yeah, just kind of seemed a little boring. I don't know what about the practices made them boring. Brandon Ayuk did respond on Instagram, basically saying that he's, you know, he's not trying to talk shit. He's just saying that he'd rather go up against the best defense in the league, referring to the 49ers. So, and I saw some people on Twitter talking about how Brandon Ayuk comments could like put him right back in Kyle Shanahan's doghouse. Kyle Shanahan, mind you, holds these joint practices in very high esteem. He would rather do these than the preseason, but. This isn't something that Kyle Shanahan's going to be like, hey, what the hell, man? Like, it, it, Brandon Ayuk was just being honest. It was a super chill press conference. And he, like I said, he clarified and just saying that maybe he didn't think the Vikings defense offered him that much of a challenge. And, uh, you know, I wasn't there to see how he did in one-on-ones or during team drills. But it didn't seem like Brandon Ayuk was all that impressed with what he saw uh, against the Vikings. So, you know, not everybody has to be totally enthused about the process. 
And it, it was kind of refreshing, to be honest, to to hear a player just actually downplay what was what happened rather than just giving you the uh no and it was great you know iron sharpens iron we both got in good work and uh and i'm happy to be here man i uh, this is uh this is great for preparedness for the season and we could really take this and hit the ground running and then uh you know we'll we'll see these same guys in the preseason game and get a little bit more work against them and then we'll move on to the texans and you know it's just good work and uh all these reps they all contribute to how we perform anyways that was my into my my impression of a player just vomiting the press conference <laughs> uh, cliches for open practices. But, I mean, if Kyle Shanahan thinks their value, I'm sure they are. But it was very clear that Brandon Ayuk was not impressed. But, again, I didn't take that as, like, him having a bad attitude. The 49ers are running the most vanilla offense po- possible when they're doing joint practices with another team. So you can't necessarily expect – uh, the their star wide or one of their star wideouts. I don't know if you want to call Brandon Ayuk a star yet, but he's pretty damn good. Uh, just can't expect him necessarily to be totally just blown away by either the competition or the creativity in the offense. Relating to that, Trey Lance, uh, from what I saw and read, looked a little up and down. Uh, I mean, but that's that's what it is. I saw plenty of stuff from Kirk Cousins. Uh, that looked up and down, especially with the 49ers defensive front and getting after him. Uh, Trey Lance has been building with, clearly been building his connection with Debo Samuel, which is about as good of news as you can ask for as a 49ers fan. He's already developed a pretty solid connection with Brandon Ayuk through the offseason work they were doing, through the training camp they were having together. And now that Debo's been uh, re-signed to his massive extension, it's good to see him and Lance developing a chemistry because I mean that's everything right there the 49ers paid Debo Samuel because of what he became within the offense last season and if he can be anything close to that this season um, I, I do expect a small downtick because I mean just look at what Debo did at the end of last year it just almost unbelievable numbers that don't even seem sustainable so if the two of them can work on that chemistry and make their connection count, even if it is less reps, less targets, less carries, whatever have you, uh, then that only bodes well for the 49ers offense. Uh, Trey Lance did have a pretty impressive deep shot to uh, rookie third rounder Danny Gray. Same two that connected against the uh, the Packers for another deep play. Very similar play, opposite sideline. Trey Lance stepped up. Uh, into the pocket and just launched one to Danny Gray down the right sideline, who was being covered by none other than former Cardinals cornerback Patrick Peterson. Him and you, uh, Michael Crabtree used to just have some excellent battles that, frankly, Crabtree got the better of. And Patrick Peterson's at the tail end of his career, and uh, Danny Gray just ran right by him. And Trey Lance seemed like he threw that ball about 50 yards, and – Danny Gray still had to slow up a little bit for it. So speaking of chemistry, that's another thing that Trey Lance is going to have to start doing. Uh, And that's just comes with reps is building his chemistry on the deep shots with his faster receivers and knowing just how he needs to throw that ball, depending on who he's throwing it to. So it was good to see the, excuse me, the two of them building that that connection again and, and showing off the speed. Danny Gray is fast. He is fast, fast, fast. And if Kyle Shanahan and the rest of those receivers can help develop Gray's suddenness, 
you know, his twitchiness a little bit. Some of that is innate or genetically, you know, present. But um, the whole deep shot, Trey Lance, Danny Gray thing could be a, could be a theme throughout the season. Now, Kyle Shanahan did say that Trey Lance's consistency has gotten better. But that's still clearly the one thing that Trey Lance is struggling with is just absorbing all of the looks and situations that defenses are giving him, putting him in, and uh, responding to that with what he should be. And, and Jimmy Garoppolo was pretty good at that. You know, it felt like in most cases he would find a, a target to hit. And Trey Lance is still working on that, you know, knowing when to hit the, the easy stuff versus the intermediate to deep stuff. But Kyle Shanahan did say Trey Lance has been improving on that consistency, despite the fact that he did seem a little inconsistent from what I saw against the Vikings, but that's perfectly okay. I'm trying to constantly mention the fact that Trey Lance is is one redshirt year short of being a 21-year-old rookie quarterback, so there's going to be some growing pains there. I'm not going to excuse the mistakes that Trey Lance makes, all of them as growing pains, especially when you're talking about re- repeat mistakes. But we just have to get ourselves ready for the fact that Trey Lance is going to make a ton of mistakes. That's just the way it has to be for a quarterback to come into this league. And I just still believe that there's no better place for a court rookie quarterback to be than at, with the 49ers, with the 49ers run game, and throw into the targets he has. I mean, we just got to be patient with what Trey Lance is going to show us. One cool thing for Lance was his his high school alma mater paid a visit. The Vikings arranged to have all of the Marshall High School players and coaches from Trey Lance's high school come to practice. They all rolled up, and Lance got to say hi to them, and you could see him talking to his coaches because as funny as it is, High school was not that long ago from Trey, for Trey Lance. He just turned 22. So you could tell that a lot of coaches were the same coaches. Uh, Lance grew up in Marshall, Minnesota, a uh, little east of, uh, you know, eastern eastern Minnesota, I believe. And it's not that – it's a, just a couple hours away from the Vikings hold their training camp. So it's just a short trip on a, on a nice bus for – for Marshall High School, and they came and, and got to see Trey Lance. So, I mean, that's cool, and that's something that, you know, although Trey grew up on that side of the country, he's been in California for a while now, and, and that's his new home for what we would think would be quite some time. Um, And he just got a little taste of home. You know, you he left home, which is now in Santa Clara. I don't know if Trey has permanent residence in Santa Clara, or if he still goes back to, like, uh, you know, the Midwest or wherever. I don't even want you to know what you call that. Like, what would you call like Minnesota and them? Cause it's not, is it the Midwest? That would be kind of, it's more East. <laughs> I, I instantly think of Anchorman when, uh, when Brick says the Middle East, but it, theoretically that's kind of what it is. Cause it's not East coast. It's in the middle, but on the Eastern side. So it's like, why is it not called? Why do we have a Midwest and not a Mid East? You know, we really should. Uh, but maybe I'm just completely glossing over a, a very obvious fact that I just don't know about my geography and my my country. So, you know, hopefully I'm not embarrassing myself right now, but maybe we do need a Mideast. Anyways, good for Lance getting to see uh, again. And it's, it is so cool for an accomplished athlete to get to talk to players that are on the same path as that athlete. Like Lance, 
He went to their same high school and they get to see that. Now the odds of those kids making it to the NFL is so incredibly slim, but it just puts a little fire in their heart and they get to like, say like, look, he's right here. He can, if he can do it, I can do it. And that's kind of like the bedrock of like finding success in anything in this country is knowing that other people have done what you're trying to do. Doesn't matter how hard it is or what the odds are. There's people out there that have done it. So you should try. Give it everything you got. You know, if you want to be a NASA scientist, you want to be a, an engineer, you want to be a doctor, just know that there's other people that have already done that stuff. Like there, you can do it. That always kept me going during like my harder, the, the harder training that I had in the military. I went, I was in what was called the air assault, air assault school. It's a, it's a school where you get to learn how to jump out of helicopters. Um, kind of like Black Hawk Down where you're roping down helicopters. And it had a, a, a like an over a fifty percent drop rate, and like it's it's only a ten day class, five days, one day off, five days, and by the end of those first five days, like half the people in my, you could say locker room uh, barracks where the be- your beds and lockers are, were gone. The guy that was sleeping underneath me was gone. The two guys that were across from me, across the bay from me, were gone. And, you know, everything just started to get a lot quieter because there just weren't as many people there. And the one thing that kept me going through some of the physical rigors was like, look, a ton of people have graduated from this course. And the guy right next to me is going through the same shit I am. I can do this. And so that's what's cool about, you know, a high school player getting to meet a pro athlete that came from his high school is like, dude, if he can do it, I can do it. You know, that's such a good, good thing for them to see. So that was cool to see. As you would expect, moving on, the 49ers secondary struggled against the likes of Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen, a a phenomenal wide receiving core that rivals that of the 49ers. You know, Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen together, outstanding, just outstanding. And so, of course, you know, a cornerback room that doesn't have Charvarius Ward, doesn't have Emmanuel Mosley, released, just released Darquez Denard you know, in favor of, of giving some young guys some shots. So it's it didn't surprise me to see that, that Justin Jefferson was, was having a field day. I wouldn't necessarily say that that's anything to worry about when you consider the state of the 49ers. Did get to see a cool rep where Diamador Lenore went one-on-one with Justin Jefferson and was able to uh, – Justin Jefferson actually looked like he kind of got his hands on the pass over the middle, but Diamador Lenore was able to break it up. And that's a huge rep for, you know, a, a fifth-round, second-year player out of Oregon going up against freaking Justin Jefferson, who's quickly established himself as one of the best receivers in the league. But again, if you don't have Ward out there, you don't have Mosley out there. Another name that I mentioned earlier was Quantrez Knight, another rookie out of UCLA. Uh, he's somebody that people have been talking about, making plays, getting pass breakups. Uh, I think he's gotten an interception. He's, he's putting some big hits on. And that might be somebody that – you know, the 49ers are going to be hard-pressed to to keep any, like, long shots this year because of just the amount of talent along the roster. But that's somebody that could, you know, maybe could sneak into the competition. Ambry Thomas has been struggling a little bit, but that's a third-round pick out of Michigan. He's going to get some time because we we saw how, how well he could play last year. You know, he sealed the deal in Week 18 against the Rams um, with that interception. And – Started out struggling, was able to develop, work his way into a solid role. So it's really hard for me to just, you know, write off a cornerback too quick. 
um, because the 49ers have some talented ones out there. And, you know, you got guys like Tariq Castro Fields, who they drafted drafted this year late. Can't, you know, is, is somebody – one of the things that was – sorry, I've kind of like restarted a sentence three times. I'll pause. One of the things that was hard for me to ease my way into was the reality that when their football team becomes good, late-round draft picks are not guaranteed spots on the team. When the 49ers first – you know, when they first kind of burst onto the scene under Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch, there was a ton of undrafted free agents making the team and late round draft picks because they were completely rebuilding the roster. That is not the case no more. This is a very established roster, and it's going to be tough for anybody to make this squad, let alone one that was a late round draft pick. But keep an eye out for their for the names, you know, Quanches, Quantrez Knight. I want to make sure I'm saying that right because that is a, an intense name, and I need to get back to my uh, – yeah, Quantrez. It's a cool name. Q W U A N T R E Z Z. Okay, we got Quantrez and Charvarius and Diamador. Some they're really challenging these writers out there. Get my name right. I mean, I don't even get right, and I don't even have to write it. I just have to say it. Anyways, so you've got this group of corners, young, encouraging players, but they're having to go up against a veteran like Adam Thielen, and then. You know, he's not necessarily a veteran yet, but somebody like Justin Jefferson is just an absolute stud. So, and but in contrast to the defensive back struggling, it was the exact opposite for the defensive line. There are tons of clips out there of the 49ers defensive line just walking right over the Vikings O-line. I think there was a three-play series for Nick Bosa where he had two sacks, and a tackle for loss. And that group was doing exactly what you would hope that group would do, given who's on that roster. And, man, I mean, I cannot talk about this defensive front without just getting lost in the the exp- the expectations that I have for Nick Bosa. Like, it might be a tad grand. It might be maybe slightly exaggerating or um, what was that? I forgot that word of people that like, and it's not exaggerating. It's anyways. I would not be surprised if by 2024. So, you know, we've got 2023, you know, in December to January this year, but by 2024, Nick Bosa didn't not only hit 20 sacks, but he got paid $30 million a year. I, I think Nick Bosa is just in line for a massive, massive year. Yeah. Now, now pump the brakes. Obviously everything has to go right for a player to have a year like that, like to get to up near 20 sacks. Not only does Nick Bosa have to stay healthy, but you know, the players around him that, that, that can pull attention away from him have to stay self healthy, uh, Javon Kinlaw is going to have to stay healthy. Eric Armstead's going to have to stay healthy. Samson Ebukam is going to have to stay healthy. We'll see what Drake Jackson starts doing. Um, you know, it, there's just so many things that have to go right for Nick Bosa to put together a season like I think he can or he will. But I mean, it's just unbelievable watching him work and what he does to other players that you know are really good. You know, it's like that. Quote from uh, 
the longest yard where the the little creeper guy is like, man, he's fast. He's he's really really fast. He makes fast people look not fast, you know. And that's kind of what Nick Bosa does to offensive linemen. They're good offensive linemen that he just abuses. I mean, Andrew Whitworth of the Rams was like, I have never gone, and that's a veteran that's now retired. Was like, I have never gone against somebody like Nick Bosa ever, and so. I really do have a huge expectation for what Nick Bosa can do this year. And I don't want to cheapen out by saying can do. I'm not saying he will. I'm not trying to make predictions, but it just wouldn't surprise me in the slightest if Nick Bosa eclipsed the 20 sack mark. And then, like I said, before next year, during the offseason, got paid a ridiculous, probably right around $30 million a year. And, and no one would even bat an eye. Like, $30 million is an insane number for a non-quarterback in the NFL. But no one would even care. You know, like, it's like, yeah, makes sense. Snake Bosa, got it. Like, unbelievable. I just, I think he's in line for a big year if the stars align, if everything can go okay. Um, on new, more, a little bit more national news, you've got the Watson suspension, which was brought out today. Um, he now has is suspended for 11 games and he's being fined five million dollars. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna get into that. All I'll say is I'm not I'm not I don't think I'm not even sure it's enough. I'm not even sure it's enough. But again, I'm not any of the I'm not the lawyers. I'm not the people behind the scenes that are really digging into whether what he did and didn't do. So I just feel like I can't necessarily weigh in with the enthusiasm that I feel is necessary. But at the same time, I just don't want to be part of a, you know, torch and pitchforks type thing. But that still seems like to me, it, it still seems like, I mean, didn't Calvin Ridley get suspended for an entire year for betting on the NFL? Like what, <laughs> oh, what are we doing? Anyways, we're moving on. So with that suspension, 11 games, the Browns immediately emerge as the bright and shining favorite to land Jimmy Garoppolo. The only question is, are they going to trade for him or are they just going to wait till the 49ers will have to cut Jimmy Garoppolo on, on or before August 30th? Otherwise, they're signing themselves up for a $25 million backup, which seems like insanity, but uh, we've heard crazier things. So now what a lot, you know, the... The biggest benefit the Browns would have for trading for Jimmy Garoppolo. Now, it hasn't been something that I've tweeted or anything yet, but something that's been in my mind lately is, you know, it would be hilarious for this whole Jimmy Garoppolo saga to drag on and on and on and on, and then they end up trading him for like a 2024 fifth-round pick. I just don't think the 49ers are going to be able to get very much for him. The only benefit the Browns would have in trading for Garoppolo rather than waiting it out. Cause there are a couple other teams out there that might seem like they're in the market. The Seahawks, uh, the, I just watched their preseason games. Their quarterbacks are trash. We knew that already. You got the Texans, you got the Browns, you've got some, you know, maybe some other teams and tech, even the Texans are a little murky for me. You got some other teams out there that may contact Garoppolo in the event that he was released and there could end up being some sort of bidding war. I doubt it. But if a team thought there could be some type of bidding war, they could avoid all of that by trading for Garoppolo from the 49ers and then having basically exclusive, exclusive negotiating rights 
with Garoppolo. They've got him. They've got his contract. You know, a new contract would have to be a part of the deal and what Jimmy Garoppolo was willing to accept. But that's the way it could happen. But if you were asking me right now, I would think that Jimmy Garoppolo just gets released during final roster cuts, which is 12 days from now. And that's it. That's the story. That's the Jimmy Garoppolo story. So, you know, it's it's a really, really, really anticlimactic ending to the story. But I just think that's where we've gotten. And again, even if they do trade him, it's like, for what? A, a fourth, you know, a fourth rounder at best? That's just kind of where I see it being. But maybe I'm just, anyways. 49ers Vikings this Saturday, 4 p.m. After the game, I will be jumping back on here to give you my immediate reaction. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Rob underscore louder, L-O-W-D-E-R. Because one thing I did after the Packers game is I put out just a tweet saying, hey, what were your takeaways? And then if you listen to Strike and Gold regularly, you would know that those takeaways were included in our last episode. So make sure if you're watching that game, you don't have to be staring at my Twitter feed the whole time. After the game, just stop by the feed and see if I've tweeted out the uh, the takeaways and write yours in there. And as of now, unless it just grows beyond my control, which would be cool, uh, I've just included every one of them. I may not spend a whole ton of time on each one, but I just included every one of them. And that's what I plan on doing after the Vikings game. So make sure after the game, you jump on my Twitter, find my takeaways, tweet, and send me what you got. What am I watching for in the game? Real simple. Quarterbacks, I want to see if any of these quarterbacks, given that the the starting guys aren't going to be playing, I want to see if any of them can continue to make plays like Samuel Womack did. Like that dude rose to the occasion. Can any of the corner other cornerbacks do the same against, you know, I don't know what we're going to see from the Vikings offense. I'm also going to be watching the offensive line. Spencer Burford got a ton of hype after the Packers game. I didn't think he was that great. Like, he certainly was impressive for a fourth round rookie, somebody who you can you can build on from there. But I mean, there was some stuff I was seeing that was talking about Burford, like he's the next Quentin Nelson or something. And it just, I would just pump pump the brakes a little bit on Burford. Like I do, I am encouraged by everything I've seen. But some people were just breaking it down a little too in depth. There was one rep that somebody posted where Burford just clearly got beat. The entire pocket collapsed. And the guy was like, oh, man, this is a great rep for Burford. And I just was like, what the hell are you talking about? Like, no, he didn't get to the quarterback, but he sure as hell pressured him and forced him off the spot, and he had to scramble out. It was funny. So pumping the brakes on Burford. But I'm going to keep be keeping an eye on that offensive line, see how that goes, see if Burford and Aaron Banks are out there again, and um, see where that goes. I don't think we're going to see a lot of the starters again, maybe even more starters that didn't play against the Packers. I'm not sure if we're going to see Trey Lance. So it could just be a pretty vanilla game with a lot on the line for those fighting for a roster spot, but we'll see. All right. I love you guys. Thank you for listening to Striking Gold. Please, uh, if you feel the need to, jump on whatever app you listen to the podcast. Leave us a a five-star review if you believe in it. Um, Write something funny in the the comments. I don't know. Do what you got to do. But just support the pod if you're here. And share it with your friends. As the old uh, Middlecoff and Haberman say, uh, share it with your enemies too. Just just be a part of the Striking Gold movement, I guess. 
or I don't know how fast we're moving, but we're moving. Thank you guys for listening to Strike and Gold Podcast. But as you know, all good things must come to an end. We'll be back on here Saturday after the Vikings game. But in the meantime, this is Strike and Gold. I'm Rob, and we're signing out.